Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi everyone, I'm Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter, I think. And Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I'm at Door Podcast on Twitter. And our guest Devin. I'm Devin GD Harpo on Tumblr and Twitter. Glad to know I'm I'm not alone with sticking with Tumblr. <laughs> right. <laughs> got Eon and Devin. Okay. Uh, so tonight we are discussing Tyrion One from A Game of Thrones um, in the books, and um, I doubt it'll come up, but I guess trigger warning for uh, rape and or violence, and I am not sure what we could be spoiling at this point. But um, because evidently some people care, um, we spoil everything books and show. So, all right. Um, I thought I would just briefly set us into where this chapter falls in in context. Um, And it's not a lot. It's like one of the first five or six chapters in the books. Um, In the East, uh, Viserys is arranged for Danny to marry Drogo. Um, in the north, uh, they've they've executed that the deserter who saw the others, um, the Stark children, have all been given their dire wolves. John Aaron's dead, and Robert and his family have come to Winterfell to uh, make Ned Hand. What else is going on? Oh, and Bran had the misfortune to go climbing on the very wall outside the room where Jamie and Cersei had chosen to bang and has been pushed outside (laughs) the window by Jamie and is lying in some sort of coma. Um, Okay. So that's where we all are. And the chapter opens with Tyrion at the library in Winterfell, where apparently He's been most of the night because either he's an insomniac or he just doesn't sleep much. I wasn't really clear there. Um, and he's, we learn he reads a lot and also, and as a librarian, I have to appreciate his um, <laughs> understanding and consideration for rare books because, you know, you can't just toss these priceless manuscripts all over the place. <laughs> willy nilly. Um, he ends up, It's morning and he leaves and he goes to the yard where the men are all busy training. And there's some interesting interplay between um, the Hound and Tyrion that indicate that the two really don't care much for each other. And let's see what else happens in the yard. And and then I think we should talk about this. Uh, So Tyrion basically tells Joffrey to go do the appropriate thing expresses sorrow at Bran's injuries and offer his services to Lord and Lady Stark. And Joffrey, who's already given us some indications that he's a jerk, confirms that initial impression, and Tyrion slaps him hard uh, two times. And Two uh, times. You know, I was. it was funny, because I actually, because we were that close, um, it was that close to the beginning, I basically read through the first couple chapters. And I started with the show, so I, you know, I knew Joffrey was a incipient, psychopath sociopath um but reading the book i mean he's a jerk but there's nothing to indicate that he's disturbed <sighs> yeah i think it's funny reading these these really early a game of thrones chapters and i remember this when we started in Catelyn's chapters too it's like george hadn't quite decided on some things mm-hmm. you can tell like you know it's funny you'll notice that the the, the person in charge of the library was the septon yeah 
which is not what you would expect later in the series anyway. I mean, I think there are just some things. Yeah, you'd expect maesters. There are just some things I think you just hadn't fully baked at this point. I love how, like, poetical the hound is, too, right here. You know, there's this, a voice from nowhere, Sanders said. He peered through his helm, looking this way and that. Spirits of the air, you know, pretending you can't see Tyrion. (laughs) And it's just so not what you would expect from, you know, from Sander. He's not nearly as gruff as, I think, um, we remember him. Well, this is, though, after he was wishing that Bran would die. Yeah. It's... I don't know. That slap kind of threw me. I mean, now it's like it's totally deserved. I mean, I think a lot more people. I mean, but it's like when you read it now, like I'm going, okay, so you have. He's what, 12, 13? He's not that old. He's younger than Rob, I think. Yeah. And he's been a jerk. He's been pouty, but he hasn't done anything that. I mean, I think being an inconsiderate teenager is kind of different than, you know, being a sociopath. Though maybe parents would disagree, but um, <laughs> but but like Tyrion, like basically wallops him like twice. Well, I mean, to be fair, he and Joffrey and Sander were just sitting there saying that they wished that Bran would die, and much more quietly than he is dying. I mean, like I wouldn't say it was you know a Just benign five. exchange that. Well, yeah, it was not a benign exchange that Tyrion overheard. I mean. You know, and I think you kind of have to go with the there's there's backstory here with Tyrion and Joffrey. I mean, like, that's what you assume. And I think and Sandor. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, well, Sandor, he doesn't do anything, which is real, which that all that's always weird to me that Tyrion slaps him twice and he does nothing. So it makes it feel like it's happened before. Like, this is probably something that goes on regularly or enough that Sandor knows not to step in for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not condoning Tyrion hitting this 12-year-old kid, but at the same time as Joffrey, and it's really tough to work up too much of a lather about it, just in context. Joffrey, you know, he makes this comment about sending a dog in to kill a wolf. Like, you know, he's actually thinking of of telling the Hound to go kill one of, you know, to go kill one of the Stark's wolves. To go kill Summer, yeah. Yeah, like, like, he's kind of, you know, like, he's killing their puppies. Like, it's like being a huge dick. And excited yeah. about it at that. Yeah, yeah, like delighted, I think. He's, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, I, I just, I mean, I just, maybe I just know more teenage boys at this moment in my life, but I don't know. I just, it just, it, it isn't like firmly established just how disturbed he is. So I just, it kind of gave oh, me pause. No, I don't think, I don't think so either, but I mean, it's certainly established. I think he's these a are. Dick. These are your early hints. I mean, these are not things that a, a nice person says. Yeah. Well, a true. child is dying. Yeah, like, this this kid's a jackass. However, no, I don't think, I mean, you'll see it when you see it with Cersei and Jamie. I don't think George had completely resolved upon uh, who was who, where what he was, was what? going yeah. with the characterization at this point, and including Tyrion, really. I don't think yeah. he was fully... Oh, yeah. Well, remember in the John chapter, a couple chapters before this one, whenever John meets Tyrion, he does this somersault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then, like, this chapter, his legs are hurting and can right. barely walk upstairs. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, and it's like, why didn't you edit one of these? I mean, you know, I, this is more realistic. I think, you know, people well, yeah, I mean, although to be have fair, dwarfism, yeah. do have serious joint pain most of the time. Well, and if you've been presumably in a sedentary position for what most of the night, your joints mm-hmm. are going to ache when you get up. I mean, that's well, just that's how true. that works. Yeah. I mean, although Tyrion is what, all, all of 22 or 23 at this point? I mean, yeah. No, but I, I think so it's just, for, well, this is true, but. Yeah. So I don't um, know. I, I just you just get you just get kind of like having read the whole series so many times and knowing it as well as we do, you just kind of get this feeling of, oh, he just really hadn't decided that yet, had he? So Tyrion decides to go join his family at breakfast. Um interesting side note, I didn't I think I missed both times I've read this or several times I've read this book. They're in the guest house at Winterfell. I don't know why that just struck me. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. seems such a Hollywood kind of, you know, where everyone's got a guest house in Southern California or whatever. It just seems a little weird, but okay. 
Well, I mean, with castles in theory, you know, I mean, like they would, um, here I'm going to defend this. They would like, you know, you'd start with like a central keep and you would slowly add on to things. And so I think when you think of something like Winterfell, as big as it is, you think of like, you know, just an addition that someone threw on at one point. And that's where they throw the guests. It's like those McMansions from hell, basically. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. So everyone's uh, there except Robert and Joffrey because Joffrey is still in the yard. And Robert is spending all his time with Ned. And I have to say, even though I think it's stupid, Nedbert, hello. Because, I mean, we know Catelyn is just in Bran's room and won't leave. So, you know, I'm just saying... They're just busy crossing swords. Yeah. Doing their <laughs> I mean, he's comforting him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's hard to imagine Robert putting that much effort into any of his own kids being no. ill. He would totally well, be, like, way more broken up about one of Ned's kids than he would his totally. own. Oh, I think that's... <clears throat> like, um, he would... Well, plus he'd have to deal with Cersei, which would just make it way more annoying. Like, so yeah, go hang out with my best bud and warn about his child or hang out with my nagging wife who hates me. Yeah. yeah I mean, and nag- like, hang out with my best bud without his pesky wife in the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Exactly. Um, I thought this passage kind of was interesting. Um, although maybe it's what Chicky was talking about. He has a large heart, our Robert, Jamie said with a lazy smile. There was very little that Jamie took seriously. Tyrion knew that about his brother and forgave it. During all the terrible long years of his childhood, only Jamie had ever shown him the smallest amount or smallest measure of affection or respect, and for that Tyrion was willing to forgive him most anything. Yeah, I mean I feel like Tyrion Tyrion knows Cersei like really well. He doesn't know Jamie at all. <laughs> Unless it's like Chicky said. Yeah, oh, I think it's not definitely been, that, um, too. But I don't think that, even in later books, I don't, you know, Tyrion doesn't really know Jamie that well. But I think, yeah, this Jamie is not the Jamie that we get eventually. And it's not, I think, so much no. just because yeah. of, you know, the arc he's on. I think it's because, you know, this is a really good example of, you know, George as the gardener. Yeah, it's well, also, though, I, I think it's, he does this deliberately, though, too, where we've got this POV structure the POV character is thinking or saying something about somebody and you're inclined to take it like for face value. And it's, it's either incorrect or there's something, there's something unreliable going on there. Well, I mean, I think also there's an element here. I mean, keep in mind, these are one of the few glimpses you're going to get at Jamie before things really start to head South. I mean, we don't see much else beyond like what happens around the turning of the hand and stuff where, you know, first, you know, Robert makes fun of Jamie and smacks him around. And then, you know, Jamie gets, you know, his yeah. ass handed to him in the list. I mean, I think you get the impression, right? The Jamie that you see later is a Jamie who has been severely sobered. And yet he still is a little bit of a, you know, like jokey jackass. So oh, you yeah. can imagine what he might have been like at this stage of the game. But I still think he it's probably all didn't f- take much seriously. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously he has, front, you know, you know, it, it is yeah. a front, obviously. But I think this is a more lighthearted Jamie than you see later, I think, is is one way to look at it. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying George didn't kind of change his mind about some of what he was doing with him. But I mean, this is a Jamie who's pretty carefree and who's definitely not taking responsibility for things he should be taking responsibility <laughs> for, which I think Tyrion is pinning on him right here. Um, we learned that Tyrion likes his bacon black. And for that, I lost a little respect for him. Also, you that know, is the I've grossest breakfast that. I've ever heard of, but I'm wondering if George R. R. Martin likes burnt bacon. He's got it. He must. He that has, that to. has to be it. Well, and I don't see what's up. what is so gross about it. Some fish and some dark beer. Eh. And doesn't he have sausage? I mean, it's all like sure. <laughs> beer, I don't sausage. Know. I mean, what's your problem? Yeah, it's it's mostly the burnt bacon. I can't. It's like, burnt oh. bacon. Why are you burning your bacon? I get crispy bacon. I get you know like don't well don't done. I mean, yeah, crispy absolutely, but burnt no. Nah, yeah. Maybe it's a good hangover cure. Oh, I like I this never... theory. <laughs> I mean, if anyone would know the hangover cures, it's got to be Tyrion. Right. And George. His and hangover George. where he's been in the library for the past 12 hours. Or Maybe we should try this on our next <laughs> for a drunk cast. cast, like the next oh, day. 
and then report back. Um, yeah, yes. I'm not. I'm not burning bacon to to prove a theory. Sorry, <laughs> I, mean, I might burn that. bacon out of neglect. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um. So. There's also, this is an interesting passage, and, and we've talked a little bit about Jamie's dubious fashion sense, and here we go. Um, Ter- Tyrion turned back to his siblings, twins, male and female. They looked very much the part this morning. Both had chosen a deep green that matched their eyes. Their blonde curls were all a fashionable tumble, and gold ornaments shone at wrists and fingers and throats. Tyrion wondered what it would be like to have a twin and decided he would rather not know. Bad enough to face himself in a looking glass every day. Another him was a thought too dreadful to contemplate. That kind of thing just breaks oh my heart. Oh, God. A little bit. This thing where but they dress alike. Just... I, especially later when, you know, Cersei doesn't even want him in the same room as her children. But she's fine with them wearing, you know, matching outfits. Do you think know. that they make the kids wear match? Like, Tom and Marcella have to wear matching <laughs> outfits? <laughs> God, like brother, sister. No, I don't think they do. I honestly don't. Maybe like that. Well, no, Cersei seems very much the type who would like the mini me kind of extension of herself. Yeah, I could. But it's just like, oh, man, he really likes the gaudy. I mean, Jamie. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) I mean, like, are are they planning the outfits out? Is it just like the night before? (laughs) Is this all set in They're advance? sending ravens or, to each other. What are like you wearing? I don't know if you guys, this works for you, but like when I go into work, sometimes it'll be like everybody has gotten like the pink shirt, black and white check skirt memo or something, or everyone's in khaki pants and, you know, what, you know, like you, you, have you ever done that thing where you go in and everyone's kind yeah. of in the same color? Everyone's oh, I always mean, like, wearing black and gray every day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, like, I've had this happen, like, with my husband, where, like, we'll walk out and we're wearing, you know, the same colors, and it's like, how did this happen? I don't even know how this, you know, I mean, yeah, I get that once in a while, but Tyrion kind of makes it sound like, you know, this is something that they do. Well, don't you feel like maybe Cersei would buy, or not, you know, Cersei would have clothes made for Jamie for, like, off-duty time and, you know, have them made to look like hers, basically. Or Jamie's doing it. I mean, we know Jamie knows a seamstress and everything. That's true. Jamie does know a seamstress. It's Jamie. Oh, my God. Jamie. He's, like, literally getting matching. Ugh. Where's Colt, though? She'd love this if she knew that Jamie was ordering dresses. He's, yeah, ordering dresses and matching tops for himself. Oh, my God. I I I kind of don't even like him anymore. (laughs) I kind of like it. I kind of dig it. Actually, I I actually can see it being real. Oh, God. Jamie. And plus, what? Oh, God. Why does George not understand, like, basic genetics? Like, he is actually pushing this thing where it's like Jamie and Cersei are identical. Like, does he not know that that can't happen with, you know, (laughs) eternal male-female? Does he not know that? Well, maybe in Westeros they can. I know people who should know that it's, like, not... Like, we were talking about I was at work and I was talking about the John and Danny thing. And I'm like, you know, and I was just like, I just can't get behind it because they're like, you know, and I was sharing that information about the Reddit article. And they're like, well, Jamie and Cersei, I'm like, they're not identical twins. It's not worse. Actually, John and Danny is worse. And having this discussion with a college educated person who should know that fraternal twins and identical twins are two different things. So maybe he just, doesn't know and it's not that I don't know I keep kind of reminding myself well he started this in 91 and there was no you know search engines weren't easy to find I don't I don't fucking know high school biology stuff and I mean and I mean if he was really going to go down this road with the fantasy element you think he'd have other instances of this but yes but he's just so hung up on I don't know he has these weird genetic ideas I mean it's like it's like I can forgive Shakespeare for the Twelfth Night version of this with the identical male female mm-hmm. twins because it was four hundred years ago. You know, yeah. it just I can't seems like four hundred years, years ago. Yeah, it might have been four hundred years ago. Actually, it has been a long time, George. About <laughs> a lot of advances in genetic knowledge have happened in the last <laughs> since Game of Thrones came out. <laughs> 
actually, God. you're right. I mean, I'm I sure like happen. a ton have. That'd be like an interesting thing. All of the medical advancements that have come about since. Oh, God. Oh, started shit. writing. These are all the Someone characters that would be post. saved. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So they're all talking about Bran and Marcella and Tommen don't want Bran to die because they're normal human beings and they haven't pushed him out a window. So they're fine. Um, Jamie and Cersei are not quite so happy that Bran isn't going to die. Um, and I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. Um, and although it's not explicitly stated, it's, it's clear, I think, that Tyrion knows about them. And there's this part from the text that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, he's talking to Cersei and he says, Tyrion, it says, Tyrion gave her a crooked smile. Why only that Tommen may get his wish. The maester thinks the boy may yet live. He took a sip of beer. Marcella gave a happy gasp, and Tommen smiled nervously, but it was not the children that Tyrion was watching. The glance that passed between Jaime and Cersei lasted no more than a second, but he did not miss it. So he knows they're lovers, but does he know for sure that Bran's fall was not an accident? I think he probably knows because he knows like he knows that Jamie's been itching to get at Cersei, so he would know that Robert was out for the day with Ned and you know. Do you think that I'm Jamie sure like, was guessed. telling Tyrion this? Like how like how I awful. mean like Ugh. Come on, no, wait like, to fuck our sister. I wish no, her husband I would don't leave. Think they discuss it. I think it's just one of those things where you know and you don't talk about just it. Just don't talk about it. Yeah, I just think they don't talk about it. But it would, Jamie is aware that he knows. I mean, like, does anyone else have siblings? Like, I can't imagine what the hell it would be like to know that two of your siblings I mean, it's like literally sleeping the most together. horrifying oh, thing gosh. I can imagine. It's horrific. I, uh, I can't even imagine for Tyrion what it's like. Like, it's it's horrifying. And he's like, probably grown up with it because they've been doing it for like as long as he would have conscious awareness. Yeah. So, and I'm sure he's been aware of it the whole time. Like, where's the vomit emoji? Right? <laughs> <laughs> all, Tyrion needs all the bleach in Westeros, basically. Ugh. It's... It, like one thing I don't get from this chapter though is why the hell is Tyrion turning into a private investigator here? Like once he <laughs> suspects anything, let's shut the fuck up about. I mean, and he does. He doesn't bring it up well, anymore. But it's like, dude, I think just there's back a difference off. between. I mean, he's he. I mean, I think he knows about the fact that they're lovers the same way. Like in some families, you know that you know there's just certain things you don't talk about or whatever. I mean, particularly dysfunctional families. But I think it's a big jump from that to your brother or sister. And he doesn't, I don't think he knows, knows. Somebody pushed a kid out a window. Mm. I mean, so that's the part well, he doesn't know yet, right? I mean, clearly he's not, yeah, he doesn't know for sure. But clearly he suspects it might have been them. And I think, you know, you're seeing throughout this chapter, you know, this is show not tell. But Tyrion is clearly very sympathetic to Bran's situation. I mean, like, yes. you know, at, at every turn he say, he, you know, he, he seems to be, you know, supporting Bran's right to live and, you know, hoping for the best for him. And, and he's angry at people who aren't feeling that way. So I think you have a little bit of Tyrion kind of, you know, kind of maybe a, a macabre reason, you know, just like, he's like, did you guys actually do this terrible thing? I mean, like, you know, and Bran will, or, I mean, Tyrion will later be kind to Bran, you know, he gives him the saddle plans mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think, you know, he might just be pissed at him, honestly, but he just can't really vocalize it even in his own head because he, you know, because of his complex relationship with Jamie. And it's just so funny because we get a Jamie eventually who literally, you know, is like feeling sorry for the bear who's, you know, kind of champing the underdog as much as Tyrion ever is. So it's kind of, it's funny to see the evolution of him. Yeah, that's... Starting point. That's the one thing that I think George just must not have had resolved in his head, you know, just like exactly how Jamie operated in his well, own mind. Once he started to write from his perspective, that probably changed. I, I, well, I mean, you kind of see I mean, the clash. It, it, it must have been well, yeah, I mean, he's starting to work with that, but I think maybe he's yeah. thinking that out. I mean, uh, it, or, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No. Where Cersei in this chapter feels like very thin, you know, she's just kind of like vaguely bitchy. You know, that's kind of her personality. We, I think we get a hint of Jamie. It's not the Jamie we come to know, but we get, you know, almost none of Cersei. 
We do get she like is, she she's um he talks about he Tyrion's planning to go to the north to see the wall and piss off the top and she's annoyed first of all she's like horrified he's planning to stay there because clearly she's not enjoying her trip to the north either and then this idea and like because she'll pack off the kids after that conversation because they don't need to hear his filth and I'm like him pissing off the wall compared to what they could be talking about that's not filth um there's also there's an interesting they're talking about the dire wolves and it's interesting that we learn how each of them has bonded with the Stark children from the Lannister perspective. Um, and also Cersei doesn't like, I forgot about this. She doesn't like the dire wolves from the get go and she doesn't want them coming North, which might explain also partly why when she has the chance, she has lady killed. Um, yeah, that's pretty well set up here that she already didn't like them. And, um, you know. It is funny. It's it's interesting the way that you describe her as being thin, because I agree with you. There's very little to go on here. I mean, other than, you know, that you can tell something's wrong with her dynamic with Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And she seems unpleasant. But right. that's, yeah. but there are, a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why she might seem unpleasant, and they're not yeah. really particularly well expressed. But, I mean, compare this to, like, the interactions that, that Cersei and Tyrion will have in Clash, and it's so tame. <laughs> right now, comparison. this is like... Well, well, even, you know, you know, Tyrion's interactions with Marsala and Tommen in Clash, like, here he's, like, benevolent, like, fun Uncle Tyrion, and, you know, he's kind of ruining their lives in Clash, or trying to, basically. Well, I don't know, I, I'd i argue that sending Marsala away is for her good. Um, I mean, I on paper, <laughs> and... I think he is fond of Tommen, and again, sending him away is for, I mean, I think he's doing that because he thinks that's the best thing for those kids. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, especially with Marcella, I mean, he found her, like, the only eligible kid her age in Westeros, and that's who he set up, you know, and got her a long way away from any of these battles, and with people who probably would make a deal with Stannis if Stannis won. I think... You know, in his in his way, I think he was trying to do right by Marcella. I mean, in the way that all, you know, Westerosi people feel the right to make these decisions for their children <laughs> or their, you know, well, nieces or nephews or whatever. And he didn't even, I mean, he arranged the marriage, but it wasn't like he said, and you're marrying, the, you know, right now. It was like, you're going to go, I mean, granted, it was more like a hostage thing, but it was like, you're not going to have to marry him instantly. You'll have a time. You'll have time. I think he was making decisions that he thought would be. I don't know. I mean, that they turned out not to be is one thing, but I don't think he. He sent her to the people that would have the absolute most reason to kill a Lannister kid. Well, but I mean, in a way, and he's right here. If they were thinking that is the absolute last thing that they would want to do. Um, you know, he's, I think what he's thinking is correct. And I mean, it's true. Um, you know, Duran would not have hurt her mm-hmm. in a million billion years. And Tyrion, you know, pegs that. And, and, and for he's all right. we know, she isn't hurt. Yeah. I well, mean, other than her ear, but her you know, face, again, that's yeah. not something you could, you could predict. I mean, no, I mean, what happened on the show? Yes. That was much more well, that's, insane. I mean, but even I, the same characters. No, I mean, in the books, I mean, you know, what's what's the worst that happens? You know, Arianne wants to, like, crown her. I mean, like, who could predict the Stark Star situation? I mean, pretty much yeah, nobody, because he doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's more discussion about Cersei is, they're both, Cersei and Jaime are justifying how Bran would be better off dead. And there's, um, I thought a nice bit of well, I don't know if George had this in mind, but there's a nice, I'm going to say he did. There's a nice bit of foreshadowing here. Um, Jamie says, even if the boy does live, he will be a cripple, worse than a cripple, a grotesque. Give me a good, clean death. Tyrion replied with a shrug that accentuated the twist of his shoulders. Speaking for the grotesques, he said, I beg to differ. Death is so terribly final while life is full of possibilities. Yeah. I mean, I think in the original outline, doesn't, um, is it Joffrey that loses a hand? Like, someone loses Who a hand. Who is it? Why didn't we it's look it Joffrey up? Somebody. Rob. 
I, I think know. you're right. I think it might be Rob. And so, I mean, I think he, you know, obviously had that thought that one of these main characters is going to lose a hand. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he, I think he put it intentionally. I think he intentionally had Jamie say this oh, horrible, yeah. stupid so thing um, to, you know, bring him full circle on it. Yeah, I, I can find the Gizmodo article, but that's, I'm not going to try to read that. Sorry. Oh, uh, God, that outline. But uh, I mean, like, I, you you kind of have to love the beauty of it. I mean, like, God, for as much as there are a few underbaked things that you're seeing here, think about the dedication to, like, lay the groundwork this early when it doesn't get a payoff for, you know, another, like, almost full two books. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm looking at the thing, and I'm trying to read it after I said it. <laughs> you just said you weren't going to do it, and you're doing it. You're I'm doing it. Out. Well, I just, I'm just scanning, and there's this stuff about Rob Remember, remember when people were trying you know how there's this section that's all blacked out blacked like somebody out, took yeah. a sharpie to it yeah, and, and how they were like, like trying to decipher like, it and, and they it got nothing. pretty far yeah they got part of it wasn't there like a countdown of the like lowest moments of the A Song of Ice and Fire uh, fandom and it was you know oh, people God, trying to read an Asha this. chapter from over George's shoulder in a still photograph, in a still <laughs> picture on the monitor behind them, and you know of course the the horrible New Year's Day 2015 like all or 2016 whatever year it was like I don't see anything things. about a hand here. Huh. They probably don't mention it there, or is is it the full text that they I have? I think so. I, I if someone wants to while I'm talk or I. It just sounds. <laughs> I see in all and three it. volumes as big books running about 700 to 800 manuscript pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just so funny now when you look at the entirety of it all. Uh, okay. Well, anyhow, um, let's see what else. Um, Tyrion says he'd really be interested to hear what Bran might say if he wakes up. And Jamie comments that he wonders whose side Tyrion is on. Seems like a really stupid thing to say out loud, but um, Tyrion's mouth was full of bread and fish. He took a swallow of strong black beer to wash it all down and grinned up wolfishly at Jamie. Why, Jamie, my sweet brother, he said, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. That's the chapter. So uh. it's so weird that they have this, like, you kind of think that there's going to be conflict between Tyrion and Jamie, you know, that never happens in, in anything to do with this, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, eventually, but not right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say much later, but yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I mean, like George, there, there are just elements of this that just feel under, underdone. I don't know. He just hadn't resolved on some things that he will, What's weird is I think he decides most of them by the end of this book. So why he didn't go back and edit this, I don't uh-huh. know. Well, it's a, you know, this is one thing when I have several times attempted to reread through the whole series and this book goes fast. This book is mm-hmm. fairly lean. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's underdone. It's fairly lean. There's a, a clear narrative going on that just keeps you moving and propelling through. It, it's, Unlike the yeah. clash where you're like, wait, who are all these people and why do I care? And it's the pace slows down. Well, I think it's really that there's, you know, there's three and a half main stories. You know, you've got with a clear narrative, you know, you've got Ned, you've got John, you've got Danny, and then you got your kind of half story of Tyrion and Kat. Well, and there is stuff going on mm-hmm. with, with the kids, yeah, but it's all but pretty much, it's, it's, it's all, it's very... Like the pace is quick, right? So, so I don't know. Was it a, a deliberate choice? Was it underdone, or was he just trying? To I keep mean, that I narrative he, going? it wouldn't. It's not like it would. It's not like it would add bloat to characterize a little more sharply how he would decide on them being. I mean, like if anything, I would think it would even cut more if you, you know, started from the beginning rather than having to add it later. Just you know. Well, this is true because it's later when you have to suddenly introduce fifteen characters that we all need to know their intense backstory about. That's well, I, down. Or you invent some 
dumbass prophecy to try to explain the <laughs> issues between two characters that were evident to try to literally it. the first page yeah. that you wrote with either of them in it. So at any point in the three books before, you could have written something to explain it instead of your dumbass prophecy. Yeah. Well, and like he just hadn't completely resolved that, that you know, Cersei was going to have narcissistic personality disorder at this point. I mean, I think he meant her to be kind of a bitch. Right. I don't think he had crazy, not necessarily, you know, completely locking in conscience like she is in reality. And I think, yeah, I think he just, he just had not decided yet. Therefore he didn't nail her from, from the first few words. And, um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't go back and fix it. Cause you kind of get the feeling by the end of the book he had, but I don't know. I mean, God only knows. So in the outline, it says Rob will win several splendid victories and maim Joffrey Baratheon on the battlefield. So is that so, it? Oh, so that's probably was it. Get maimed. Wasn't and Sansa also going to have his baby and like be torn yep. or yeah. something? Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. She marries him, and then there was the exciting Arya and Tyrion thing, well, which just Jamie and Tyrion and their allies were going to beat Rob, and Rob dies in battle, and then Tyrion will besiege and burn Winterfell. So, I mean, you know, Arya's got a fairly solid reason to not want to uh, hook up with them. Any other thoughts or overall thoughts on this chapter? I'm sorry, I can't even answer that, Kyle. I, I just can't. <laughs> the, the thought of Tyrion and Arya is just too bizarre. It's just so weird. And God knows there is some strange, there are some strange ships on an AO3, but I don't, now I got to go look to see, are there any you know, Arya You know the answer, comma. You know there's going to you know be. I do this every time. It's like, oh, there's rated E fanfic of Anne of Green Gables. Let me go. You there know, is. Oh, God. Yes, with blood play. I don't think awesome. I can do that. <laughs> the smirched. Yeah, I don't want to be besmirched. It's actually with that. pretty good. It's um, it's Anne and Diana doing um blood play, and it's actually kind of hot. <laughs> no, no, God, what is the world coming like, to? Oh, that just seems so wrong. And then I'm reading it, going, "This is actually quite well done." Well, just because it's well done doesn't mean it should have been done. <laughs> All right, I'm looking up right now to see if there's anything with the two just of them. Childhood ruined. Yeah, I mean, young adulthood, so ruined. I I know there's Arya Tywin, because I made the mistake of reading that. What? Yeah, there's quite a bit. People, when what's I, people, what is wrong with you? Oh, my God. You know, I don't know. When I first entered the fandom, I was looking for Tywin fanfic, and I didn't understand what the slash meant. I didn't realize that that meant that that was like a, a sexual or romantic pairing. So I'm just like, oh, I like Arya and Tywin on the show. Okay, I'll read this. And then I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I actually don't see any. I could be searching for it wrong. But maybe it's just huh. one of those rare pairings that just hasn't. Well, the funniest thing to me about him thinking he would do um, Arya and, and Tyrion is that like Tyrion is actually in love with Arya. Yeah. Because it's funny, because he does hook Tyrion up with a Stark girl, but, you know, like, you'd never get the feeling that Tyrion has anything like romantic feelings for Sansa. I mean, like, I realize there's some disgusting sexual stuff, but I mean, like, I never get the feeling that he's remotely in love with her. No. Right, no. He, if anything, I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just... It's. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing from this chapter is, you know, it definitely sets us up for... Oh, Tyrion's awesome. I love Tyrion. Yay, Tyrion. And, you know, the slow decline of Tyrion right. over like until like you see his name as a cheddar as a cheddar as a chapter. You can tell him from Wisconsin when <laughs> literally the, the slips I, I, right I know exactly what you mean by that though. A chapter oh, there header. are nine stories. Because yeah. I know you were all wondering. There are nine stories with Tyrion and okay. Arya. Yeah, you see his name in the chapter header, and it's just like, oh, stomach just churns. Oh, I mean, well, right now, I mean, I remember liking him initially. Yeah, I think my course. loathing started in Storm of Swords. Um, but right, and it wasn't even loathing; it was just sort of like, oh, really? We're gonna do this, really? And I was just more annoyed at George. But right now, I I liked him as a character. It's funny because you know. I think one of the things that came out of the cat chapters that we really liked was 
the sense of her as, you know, an individual human being with flaws and someone that you wouldn't always like as a human being, as a person. Like, you wouldn't necessarily like to, like, have dinner with her all the time. But you liked reading about the character because she seems like a real person. And I don't know that we'll feel that way about Tyrion. Like, his flaws are flaws not in the way that make him more real, kind of. Like, they kind of make him... um, less real in a way. Well, he starts out so sympathetic and unlike many other characters where George goes the other way, you don't necessarily sympathize with them to begin with, but you do at the end Mm -hmm. with Tyrion. He's gone (laughs) the other way where you heavily sympathize with Tyrion at this stage of the game. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, he's the underdog in every sense and he's funny and, and if he ever writes the and nice books, and kind yeah. at this point, you know, and then you and know. he reads, which usually in his in Martin's book is like a clue that they're somebody we mm-hmm. should, yeah. And if he ever yeah. gets around to, you know, it's like this is one of the characters that, for as much as you know, we cannot look forward to his chapters, you know, he's the one that will be interesting to see if and how he brings him around again. Well, until you get to his. L- his later stuff, even when I'm like going, ew, or really, dude, um, or oh god, um, he's still he's an interesting character, and he usually doesn't stop being interesting. It's not till you get to the where do horrors go kind of endless yeah. um repetition that you're like, oh my god, no, no, there's a Tyrion yeah. chapter. How long is it? But well, sorry, go ahead. No, but I mean, I think up until that point, even when he's saying or or thinking dubious things, I found him interesting. And I always was, I would look forward to to sort of seeing where his sort of commentary and where he would take us. Yeah, well, see, I would posit there that up until dance, Tyrion is in the thick of every bit of the most interesting parts of the story. And then you put him in dance and he's off on his own. And I mean, like he runs into Jorah and it's the most interesting thing that happens the whole time, pretty much. I mean, you know, I mean, like turtles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he runs into John Con and he runs into, you know, Aegon. But like, we don't really know them and we don't really care. And we know they're not a big deal because they're being introduced too late. You know, so I, I mean, like, it's just he 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 turns into a huge asshole. I mean, yes, but also. He's not in the thick of the interesting part of the story or the part you really care about, I guess, is what I mm. should say. The part you're invested in anymore. And so he, he loses both those things. And so it's just tough to even care. Like, but he, he loses because he doesn't have a, you know, his story doesn't finish in dance. Like he's one of those characters that is, you know, they're, that whose storyline is cut off. Mm-hmm. And so we don't even get the satisfaction of him doing the things that we sort of think should be happening. Like he never never meets Danny. He never see, you know, he doesn't meet the dragons yet. He's not in the battle. He doesn't even like, meet Barristan for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah. So it's, you know, yeah, nothing like that happen. at least would have been satisfying for God's sake. At least that Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I'm just having some latent George rage. You guys, I like had this thing happen this afternoon where I kind of like drifted off and I like woke up like it not not like a wake up. You ever like doing work and you just kind of nod a little like you didn't get enough sleep like I did yes, last night. all the time. I like woke up and I had this weird deja vu feeling that George had announced that Wins was coming out like that Wins oh. had been announced. Oh, oh no, and you, let me guess. Did and you go so, to like look went, that up? And I went through this whole just like, you know, emotional whatever with it and so I'm mad at him again because <laughs> <laughs> He can't even win there, man. He can't. Any other thoughts? Okay. <laughs> uh, do we have mail? We do. We've got some letters and some messages on Tumblr. So we have a message from Catherine, and she says, Hello, lovely ladies and possibly gents. I've been a listener since the very first episode, and I think it keeps getting better and better. I'm amazed that you're able to put out an episode every single week as are we, Um, keep up the incredible work. Just wanted to comment a bit on Season 7. Unlike most of you, I didn't hate it and was even able to enjoy parts of it. Most likely this is because Season 5 broke me. It destroyed any illusions I had that got as a quality show. 
Not only do we have to suffer through Ramsey Sue, Sansa's rape, Stannis becoming Satanus, like that, the, Carrie, the Larry and Carol show, and the hot mess of Dorne, we got Brienne staring at a window for an entire goddamn season. Literally anything is better than the festering raw sewage that aired in 2015. <laughs> it's very refreshing to no, to no longer be hate-watching the show. Basically, I'm now at the Nirvana-like state of I-don't-give-a-fuck bliss as seen as this graphic <laughs> representation of fandom enjoyment over time. And um, I think a lot of you have probably seen a chart like this, but I will put it up on Twitter um, sometime after we post this episode because it's pretty accurate, I think. Um, my expectations for show Jamie and Brienne are so low that I'm happy with anything even remotely positive, such as the real Jamie finally appearing after three long seasons. Here's hoping we get more Jamie next season. If Tormund must come back, let him be the catalyst for our lovebirds to admit their feelings. The only things that continue to irk me are, one, Reddit users answering any critique of the show with, but this is still the best show on TV, and she's got like a million question marks. Um, <laughs> two, <laughs> Brienne and Tormund shippers. I'm comforted by the fact that JB Fix, an archive of our own, outnumber Brienne and Tormund by 20 to 1. I feel like we could teach you some awesome filtering techniques so you never even have to see those pics <laughs> on AO3. Um, three, underwhelming Stark reunions. We could have had it all. I know. And four, John and Danny's embarrassing lack of chemistry. Every show watcher I know in real life ships it. Arg. Um, your take on the show and the books is always insightful and amusing, and it comforts me to know that I'm not alone in my opinions. Much love from Canada. Aw. Aw. <laughs> okay, I gotta, I gotta say, I completely agree with this person. I was shocked that you guys, like, ranked this season so low in the over. Like, I didn't think it was great, but I would have put it, like, middle of the pack. I really didn't think it was that bad i don't know i think you're at a different place emotionally yeah. than maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i may be there i don't know i still kind of like eh, i'm done but i think you'd 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 reach that point maybe i'm post that i don't know i do love that the our expectations are so low that like if jamie and brienne shook hands we would all be like yay <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, I. I don't think I don't think anything that happens with Jamie and Brienne is gonna get much of a yay out of me. I'm just like, Ugh, whatever, gross. Next, we, we have an, we have another email. Um, subject is sword fighting guy, and it's hi all. It's John who sent you the note about sword fighting last week. Hearing my mail read out loud made it sound kind of well mansplainy. I got excited about how badass Brienne is and maybe went too far. You guys were saying how you didn't know about swords, and I was like, I'll swoop in and save these poor benighted ladies. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> kind of mortified. Anyhow, you already know I love your work. I really enjoyed your love letter to Jamie, and I'm a huge sucker for a redemption arc, so he's my guy. Um, I don't think he was mansplaining at all. Oh, I don't so either. I think Did he I was a man explaining guy? something, but yeah, certainly no, not no. mansplaining, so and no I think worries. there's a difference between someone going, well, see, there's a window. And he pushed the kid out and someone coming in with like actual knowledge, exactly. which this guy did, Yep. you know, saying, well, in a sword fight when you have, cause I know nothing about that. You know, I think it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Mansplaining is, oh, you just don't understand what's happening in this scene. And it's like, no, I do. I have eyes and ears. I <laughs> know what's happening in the scene. That, that was not at all. That so, letter. so John, you're good. We, we don't think you're mansplaining. Definitely not. Um, we have one from Kaylee Bai, who says, Hello, everyone. First, let me gush about how much I love your podcast. You all make me laugh during my workouts, and you are so knowledgeable and opinionated about the books and show. I love it. My question is a bit off topic. I was wondering if any of you have ever been to Comic-Con or Games-Con ever. If not, have you considered going in the future? Have you ever met George R.R. R. Martin or anyone from the GOT cast? Um, I apologize in advance if someone has asked this question. I'm new to the podcast and a newer fan of Got and A Song of Ice and Fire. I love Jamie and Brienne, and it was their relationship. I found edited on YouTube that got me interested in the show and books. So that's kind of cool that the supercut got someone. Yeah. We'll have to tell Aaron. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I'm the con-goer in the group, right? I used to go to SDCC all the time, if that's what you mean by Comic-Con. And I, I didn't actually meet George. I was at a dinner party with George at Worldcon a couple of years ago. And like I was like in a group conversation with him, but I was not really introduced. That's pretty solid. And, and you didn't kidnap him like you were supposed to and force him to finish. Reading. I 
didn't know. I was volunteering at the con, and I was so tired. I was just like, oh, George R. R. Martin. Uh, just, well, whatever. At this point, you probably thought, you probably still thought that Brienne was an undead. Um, was no, undead, right? it was after that. Oh, okay. It was like a couple <laughs> years ago. Oh, okay. It was like maybe 2015. Oh, wow. I, re- like I remember you talking about this, and didn't you say that you were surprised at how small he is? He's very small. Huh. Really? In every sense. Like, yeah, he he wasn't, you know, everybody acts like he's, like, enormous, like, fat and everything. It's like, I think he just carries it funny. I would not describe him as, like, immensely obese or anything like that. That is not. Well, I mean, I, I can look at him and see that he's overweight, but it's more like he doesn't carry him. He carries himself like he has presence. So mm. I'm, he's not a tall man then. He's not. No, I was definitely... Oh taller than he was which i didn't expect for some reason i don't know why but yeah no smaller then, than i thought that was where that what i came away with smaller <laughs> than i expected and then lots met um christian nairn so holder and That's he was right. not smaller than no he was expected. not small <laughs> no, i've never met i i have gone to conventions but not for this fandom and not in like oh god like decades so no not for me it's so funny because we, we, we had talked, a couple guests who went, right? Didn't was it? Well, Tina yeah, we had. Went yeah, to, Tina went to what was it? She went to the, the one, Game of Thrones con that was in Nashville this year. The con of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, con of Thrones. Yeah, thanks, Devin. And then Aaron, well, we we talked briefly goes, about going yeah. to that. Guile tried to talk us into going to that for about five minutes, like all of us going and doing a panel or something. Didn't you? Yeah, I mean it would be super fun, but you know. <laughs> It's like I a think lot of like Nashville in the summer. That's not yeah. happening. Yeah. And I think it's in Dallas this this coming. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, it is. is it in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. I've so been it's to a Dallas. A little bit cheaper. <laughs> Devin, are you gonna go? Mm, I don't know. If I didn't go to the one in Nashville, which is only a four hour drive from me, I probably won't do Dallas. <sighs> Yeah, well, I'm not going. You, we all know how I feel about Texas. Sorry, Eon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So we've got some. Um, we've got some. I was. I literally cannot even think of the word. Some messages. <laughs> wow. You know, when the mind goes, it just goes, kids. Um, <clears throat> Nelly Font says. Hello, ladies. I was so embarrassed when you read my question, but so very glad with your answers. Your Jamie appreciation healed me. I was wondering about what your first impressions of Tyrion were when you first read the books and whether you liked him and what and whatnot. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it definitely it definitely sympathetic. I mean, some some things in the books kind of do make, like, the whole, like, the somersaults. Like, I'll roll my eyes at that shit. Like, really? <laughs> But otherwise, oh, I, he I seems like Tyrion. kind of learned yeah. and yeah, I, I loved, loved him. I loved Tyrion until dance. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, definitely. If if you take away dance, he's like I have a I have a top five where like Arya is one, Bran is five, and two, three, and four are Jamie, John, and Tyrion, and they rotate, but then mm-hmm. it kind of stays the same. Um, if you take dance away, like Tyrion stays in there the entire time, like the top five okay. of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. Dance is just, ugh. It's a drag. Yeah, not just not just fun to read, but favorite characters. Tyrion was one of my favorite characters, and I, I almost remember. I think you know. I mean, you're talking about there was a long gap between feast and dance, but I remember using Tyrion to try to sell people on the series. Be like, you know, he's great. You love it. You'll love. You'll love. You know, like I used to think of him as like a main character. You know, well, the main character, and like you know, I loved Tyrion. Hmm. I mean. He was in my, again, I started with the show, but I remember saying I loved Arya, I loved Tyrion, I loved, God help me, Danny and John. Well, that was like the first season, and then season two happened, and Danny fell from grace, never ever to like come back. And (laughs) I still liked Tyrion. And then I think I was reading the books, and by the time I got to dance, I'm like, what the hell? But up until then, I thought he was interesting and cool. And I don't dislike yeah. Tyrion. I'm just more in the like for you know going in the top five. You know, I've got oh. I got to have room for like my Theon and my Davoses, and you know, like 
that side of that set of characters, and Tyrion just doesn't um, crack the top five for me. I can yeah. honestly remember starting Feast for Crows and being disappointed that Tyrion wasn't in. Wasn't, in wasn't there, yeah. Wasn't there. Yep, yep. Yeah, there were a couple characters like that. And the other thing that's changed for me is the more I got immersed in it and the more, like, I would read people's Forgive Me Chicky meta and headcanons and stuff, and I started to appreciate <laughs> other characters, and it sort of changed for me. So, but... Well, I mean, obviously, you know, there are new POVs introduced with every book. And, like, I, I kind of had a bias against a lot of what I think of as the new POVs, starting mm-hmm. with, you know, Davos and stuff. And, like, oh Jamie God. was the first one I ever really liked. I, I really didn't love Davos until I got to dance. Uh-huh. And then I just fell head over yeah. heels at long last for Davos. How did you heart, feel about as you should have. first? Theon? No, I didn't like Theon. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Theon much better now. I appreciate Theon, but like you realize, I've never been able to reread a word of those oh, dance chapters. Gotcha. I I can't. I I couldn't. I couldn't even. So, I don't have the same attachment to Theon that a lot of you guys do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with Theon. I don't. You know, I, I'm I, not holding things against him. I just. Ugh. I don't. I hate the torture stuff. I mean, the show. I I still haven't seen some of those scenes, but um, he's got his dance chapters, he's got my, some of my favorite secondary and tertiary characters are all in those. Well, and, and it's I such mean, a wonderful, I mean, the Winterfell, the Winterfell storyline and dance is so fun. And I mean, like a, it's like a murder. It's like a murder, <laughs> an old school murder mystery in the murder mystery. Yeah. It's my favorite thing in dance. So we have a couple more messages. We have, um, on Tumblr from come my little gamma ray who says, Hi, awesome. you've talked about GRRM being praised for challenging tropes, but you argued that he actually adheres to those tropes, i.e. John equals the chosen one. So do you think he is doing the same for Tyrion with the ugly equals evil trope? He starts out with good intentions, but slowly falls into that trope, killer, deceiver, rapist. I think his character will embody that trope in the future, but we just get to see how he got there. Love the podcast. It's a, I mean, really interesting question. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I want to clarify something here. Personally... I would never describe George as a trope um, subverter. I think he likes to subvert reader expectation more than anything. Hmm. I don't know that he de- necessarily takes all tropes and it's like, I'm going to turn this inside out. I think he's just like, oh, well, they expect me to zig and I'm probably going to zag. I mean, like, I don't think that it's, you know, he takes something and deliberately tries to tear it apart as much. That's not what I've ever seen with him anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. I doubt it with Tyrion. I honestly, I think it's one of those things where, sadly, you know, in this world of misogyny that we live in, I don't know that George realizes how bad he's made Tyrion in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he realizes how far past redemption he's taken him with stuff that happened. I also think he's written some stuff. I mean, he's written himself into corners in certain places and may not, well, clearly doesn't know how to get out of them. But mm. I, I think some of this stuff just sort of he took it in places and I don't know if you can walk that back. Yeah. I mean, I've seen theories like about who Penny is about certain things about um, Taisha that there are certain things that he might have to, you know, confront all these things, but we may never know that if that's happening. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I doubt he intended. I I doubt his intention was. Oh, I'm gonna gonna take the ugly thing and turn it inside out. I I don't feel that personally. So we've got one final one. Um, it's an anon on Tumblr who says, uh, "This is like really complimentary, so it's a little embarrassing almost." Um, you guys are like one of the best got podcasts. Some other got podcasts I've listened to usually give D and D too much slack when they don't deserve it. D&D don't care if you like the show or not, and some podcasts like Game of Owens give them too much appreciation. You asswipes became famous because of the true A Song of Ice and Fire fans, and now that you're famous, you don't care about the little guys that help you get to that position. Anyways, love your content and your podcast. (laughs) For a minute, I thought they were calling us asswipes, and I'm like, no, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's complimentary, okay. Well, I think some people are really, um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I listen to some of those podcasts. I don't know if it's so much that they want to suck up to the producers as it is. And, like, I'm going to be really frank w- with you here. And it's something that we've just never bothered to do. And that is, 
I think there are podcasts where they're concerned about keeping their listeners. And I'm not saying we don't love having you guys. <laughs> but if you think for a minute that we're censoring ourselves because we're afraid that you'll check out, no, like we just don't. I mean, you know, we just say what we think. And I think a lot of podcasts, they have a little bit more maybe awareness of how the audience will accept things that they say. And I think, too. Yeah, I think so, too. There's, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we can hate the show, but it's not like, you know, I don't want to hate it. I want to love it. Like, how much fun would it be to, like, love the show and, you know, be excited about it? Like, that'd be great instead of just being. Yeah, I mean, that's super, that's super fun. And I remember that eagerness. You'd sit down. You'd be like watching the credits. You go, yeah. yes, so and so's on. Yes, so and so's on. And then the excitement, and they're showing us a new thing. And I was all over the place. And, and now you know, it was just. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's just really hard to, you know, it's really hard to give up on shows sometime, or to, you know, you convince yourself that it's good because you want it to be so bad, you know. Or it's the only ending you're going to get for books that you've been reading for a well, thousand I mean, years. Yeah, that's why you watch it. That's not why you enjoy it, though. <laughs> like, there's a difference. Yeah, that's why I didn't check out after season five. Like, I, I'm just going to stick it out and mm-hmm. see what happens. Ugh. We're like abused spouses, really. You know, <laughs> like, oh, we're just sticking it out until the, the kids really go off to that. college, you know, and then they're out of the house. <laughs> then we can leave. Oh, golly. He won't do it again. It's terrible. Like, we're abused by them. By them in that sense. And then we're abused by George, who's, like, <laughs> insisting on all these freaking Targaryen histories when all we want is the damn books. Ugh. Well, I, I think I'm finding my way to a shelter. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Okay. Any more? Or is that it? Mail. I mean... No, I'm sorry. That is it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I had fallen. I had one job and I'm falling down on it. Sorry. (laughs) Several jobs. I don't blame you. Um, (laughs) I might be falling down on those two. (laughs) All right. Well, please thank you, everybody. And um, to our listeners, please rate and review us on iTunes, um, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. Uh, we love getting messages, so if you have any, you can email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr at closethedoorandcomehere.tumblr.com, uh, on Twitter at Door Podcast, and you can also follow us on Facebook. Please consider supporting this podcast on Patreon, and our Patreon subscribers get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new episodes. Uh, Thank you to our panel, and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.